Teddy Roosevelt once said, a vote is like a rifle. Its usefulness depends upon the character of the user. Keep this in mind, as I discussed today, the upcoming second round of presidential elections in Brazil, and how significant that will be not only for Brazil and Latin America, but also for global order. So here is a provocative question for you to start with. Will the election of Lula da Silva contribute to the shifting global order? So I'm here to provide you insights you will not get anywhere else. Brazil is going to polls, the most crucial polls in recent history. Brazil's presidential election is heading for a second round runoff after no candidate won 50% of the vote. Brazilians are voting in perhaps the most divisive presidential election in decades. Brazil's presidential election will be settled in a second round of voting on October the 30th. His surprising showing dashed Lula's hopes of a quick win. Neither of the two candidates have been able to get 50% of the vote that are needed for a candidate to be declared the winner in the first round of polling itself. Before I delve deeper into this topic, make sure to hit the like buttons so the algorithm can push us up forward. I also want to thank you for your continued support. Before also I discuss the topic, we have two new YouTube channels that I would like you to check. One of them is Geopolitical Trends, look up there for the link, where I will give you the most important information live as it happens. The second channel, The Heart of the Warrior, the link is up there, it gives you the resources and skills to level the playing field so you can have control over your own life. Back to our topic. Voters in Brazil went to the polls on October 2nd, a week and a half ago, for an election with the hope to see the far-right president, Jair Bolsonaro, replaced by a former president, Luis Inácio Lula da Silva. However, the polls for the first round show Lula has a strong lead over Bolsonaro. At the very least, Lula supporters hoped for a commanding margin and a sense of momentum going into the runoff between the two candidates. And progressives around the world were watching for an unequivocal rejection of Bolsonaro's presidency that would signal a change. But it hasn't worked out that way. Instead, Lula won 48% of the vote in line with the polls, but Bolsonaro did much better than expected, taking 43%, and his supporters also outperformed polls in states and Senate races. Lula is expected to take most vote from the minor candidates who now drop out of the race and should be favored to win in the second round on October 30th. So the stakes couldn't be high enough, you know. How the elections work, by the way, in Brazil, just for you to know. Okay, let me give you a snapshot how the elections work in Brazil. Brazil's president is elected directly 
by the 156 million voters. There is no electoral college and no role for the legislature. A candidate needs more than 50% of the vote to be elected. If this doesn't ha happen in the first round, which just happened the first Sunday of October, the top two candidates will go into the runoff, second round of elections, which usually happened during the last Sunday of October. This time is going to be in October 30th. So, by the way, the president and vice president of Brazil are elected as a joint ticket. But I'm not here to talk about Brazil's elections specifically, rather to provide insight on how the election, for example, of Lula da Silva, will undoubtedly impact global order in more ways than one. For a starter, there is a widespread fear in Brazil that Bolsonaro, the current president, could attempt to stage a coup if he loses the election. There is one distinction between the two candidates that you need to know. Lula has been running on a platform to reduce inequality, to preserve the Amazon rainforest, and to protect Brazil's indigenous community. While Bolsonaro is basically committed to destroying the Amazon. So I'm going to tackle this topic from two perspectives politically and economically. From a political perspective, the significance for Latin America and the world of Lula's victory is a reflection of where Latin America is headed. Going from the early pink tide of the early 2000s to the resurgence of right-wing governments. And by the way, the pink tide referred to the election of multiple left-wing governments in Latin America during the early 2000s. So, if a red tie will mean a shift to communism, a pink tie refers to the gentler socialist change. As I always say, look for the trends. We are witnessing almost every major country in Latin America voting for a left-wing government. Mexico, Colombia, Venezuela, Argentina, Peru, Chile, and of course Brazil. The latter is the largest country with no nuclear weapons and no major armed conflicts in the region currently. The way I see it uh, moving forward is that Lula's victory will lead to the consolidation of left-wing trends across Latin America. One key aspect I need to bring to your attention is the role of Brazil or the role Brazil played and will continue to play when it comes to BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. Its role is even more crucial today given the shifting sands of the global geopolitical landscape. Brazil is of course the largest most important country in Latin America. And the direction in which Brazil goes is sure to have a major impact on these trends, developing into possibly an independent force in global affairs today. Let me remind you that during the early years of the 21st century, when Lula was in power, 
He managed to give the BRICS alignment a significant role on the global stage in the world affairs. In fact, Brazil became perhaps the most respected country internationally, one that relates to much broader issues about multipolarity in international affairs. Contemporary geopolitical conflicts and major power struggles have proved that the global order is changing to a multipolar system. So, welcome to a multipolar world where the Earth is no longer the property of a sole superpower. Look no further at how about 90 countries of the world and the global south are not going along with the US and the UK possession on the Ukraine issue. Even in Europe, in Germany, over two-thirds quarters of the German population wants to move to negotiations with Russia now. We can ignore Brazil's domestic front, of course. Brazil suffers from major inequality and corruption. I recall when I was uh, teaching a master's program at Texas A&M, I served as a research advisor to one of my former students. Her master's thesis was about corruption in Brazil. Oh boy, I learned a lot through her research. Historically, Brazil was a very rich country, in case you didn't know that, just a century ago. It was called, and I put this in quote, the Colossus of the South. While the first round of the election did not yield a clear winner, Brazil will move one direction or another, depending on the outcome of the second round in October 30th. There is quite a lot at stake locally in Brazil and Latin America altogether. Because of the role of the Latin American countries, Brazil takes the lead in setting up the stage for the next phase of the global order. What I find troubling is the statements by the current president, Bolsonaro, during his campaign when he said, and I quote, only God will remove me from power, end of quote. Could this lead to violence if he loses the elections? What do you think? Economically speaking, Lula's aspiration this time around, assuming he wins the elections, the second round that is, is to have Brazil play a more vital role and be a key player in one, the process of the South America's integration, and two, in the revival of the BRICS. I find the financial aspect of what Lula wants to do, if elected, could set the global stage or global financial system, that is, on a different trajectory. Because he stated, and I quote, we are going to restore our relationship with Latin America, God willing. We will create a Latin American currency, end of quote. The proposal would imply the creation of a South American central bank, capitalized by all the countries of the continent. Like what he said, and I quote, we don't have to depend on the dollar, end of quote. Lula said in a speech at the Electoral Congress 
of the Socialism and Liberty Party, in which the party declared its support for the former president for October vote. Many well-established economists, by the way, in Latin America, like, for example, Gabriel Calipolo, argued for the implementation of a model in Latin America like that of the European Euros. It's worth noting that in August of last year, 2021, the current economy minister of Brazil, Paulo Guedes, said that a single currency for Mercosur, Mercosur is the abbreviation of the Spanish name for the trade bloc, Mercado Comun del Sur, which means the common market of the South. So what he said was, it would allow for, one, greater integration, two, for free trade area, and three, create a currency that could be one of the five or six relevant currencies in the world. And if I may share with you a brief history about Mercosur or the Southern Common Market, uh, Mercosur is a regional uh, integration process originally established by Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, uh, Uruguay, and subsequently joined by Venezuela and Bolivia, the latter still complying with the accession procedures. My assessment is that if Brazil puts enough considerable resources behind this proposal of the creation of one currency, we could witness a major development for Latin America and a change in the global financial system. I can just see how Latin American, America's leaders thinking about the current US-EU sanctions on Russia and saying to themselves, we need to have alternative to A, the financial system, and B, global leadership. What you need to know is that Lula is the first Brazilian president whose name is well known across the global south. Now with his popularity, will he be able to drive and reshape the trajectory of multilateral agenda in world affairs today? That is a question that is worth asking. That's why I believe Lula's presidency will revive BRICS and push it forward on the global stage. Of course, we can't talk about Latin America without talking about China's increasing visibility and investments. China's investments in Latin America allowed many governments in that region of the world, whether of the right or the left, to be more independent financially. We are all witnessing, as we speak, the latest IMF loans to Argentina. How can we forget the images of thousands and thousands of people descending to the streets a few months ago in Buenos Aires, who have taken to the streets expressing outrage over the record-breaking loans from the IMF that threatened to plunge Argentina into a constant debt crisis. The IMF, International Monetary Fund, granted Argentina the loans in 2018. An Argentinian Congress resumed the deliberation over its repayment just a few weeks ago. But the financial body has inflicted misery on many people for decades in Argentina. Yet the IMF approved another $44 billion agreement that allows Argentina to reschedule debt owed to the lender. 
cementing uh, sort of a deal that's already facing economic and political challenges. It's for this reason and others that there is a conversation about Argentina joining BRICS. As for China, you need to know that even during the presidency of Jair Bolsonaro, China continued to be a major trading partner with Brazil. One thing is sure, China's commercial investments and economic ties with Latin America will continue when considering Argentina, for instance, joining the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative. The fact is that China has the investment capital available. China also has a sizable market for the commodities produced in Latin America. So, because the fact is, we can ignore the sheer size of the Chinese market, no matter how you look at it. That is why Washington's call for Latin America to stop trading with China is falling on its deaf ears. But Washington also succeeded, for example, in convincing El Salvador to stop trading with China over a deal for a Pacific deep water port and manufacturing zone. I admit, I am surprised that the United States was able to break this deal. What I foresee comes October 30th is that if Lula wins the elections, it will be the revival of BRICS for it to play a far greater role on the global stage. And frankly, it's about time. As an analyst myself, I can already see the policies emanating from Washington aim at one specific objective, a systematic unremitting demonization of Latin American governments for trading with China. Yet, China, for example, came to Latin America, put the money on the table through the People's Bank of China, conducted currency swaps, you know, and other economic initiatives, while telling Latin American governments, you don't need to embark on an austerity program. We've already witnessed this with the Gustavo Petro in Colombia. Hearing the interesting aspects of this, next year, 2023, will mark the 200th anniversary of the Monroe Doctrine. Some have said it is a relic of the past. Others are saying not too fast. With the U.S. fragmented foreign policy, Washington looks like it wants to go beyond the Monroe Doctrine. I recall when President Biden said that Latin America is not the backyard of the United States. It is the front yard. What happened to foreign policy? Latin America is nobody's yard. Countries in Latin America are sovereign states with self-determination and freedom to conduct business with whomever they want and they choose. This, of course, comes on the heels of the Secretary Blinken travel to Latin America, specifically to Colombia and Chile, to forge ties with the new left-leaning leaders. Secretary Blinken will then head Wednesday, will head to Chile to meet President Gabriel Boric, the 36-year-old left-wing former student leader who took office on a campaign to sweep away the legacy of United States-backed dictator Augusto Pinochet. The secretary 
will later travel to Peru for a meeting of the Organization of American States and separately meet with President Pedro Castillo and other top officials. By the time you see this video, the meeting will already have taken place. So here's my conclusion to you. The new wave of progressive government in Latin America is much more aware than its predecessors of the need for an industrial policies to foster developments and growth. The dire predictions for the region's economic performance in 2022, when it is projected to grow a mere 3%, the lowest of any region reflected not just the impact of the current crisis, but also broader failure. As the Latin American region enters a new political cycle, there is an opportunity to break out of the vicious cycle of boom and bust that has led Latin America from one last decade to another. In this, will China and Chinese companies can and should play a significant role? Here is my question for you for today. Will Latin America continue to trade with China or will it bow to US pressure? Make sure to leave me some comments and I will be happy to answer. As always, prepare yourself for a changing world order. Till next time. Bye-bye.